Okay, so, uh, Mark, could we... I mean, that was a film made for a season called Justice, mm. which the BBC were doing. Can you tell us a bit about how the film uh, got to be made? Did you pitch it, or did they ask you to come <coughs> up with an idea for um, the Justice season, or what? No, I was, I was having a, a meeting with the... Uh, the, the controller of BBC4 about I think it was just there to sort of catch up really sort of say hello and try and get a sense of um, what kind of other film I just, I just finished a previous film so it was sort of a catch up meeting and um, he mentioned that he was doing a season of films about justice and um, years and years ago actually I'd been involved in a series of films um, in which one of the characters who ended up being one of the films we met outside a court and um i think he'd remembered that and richard klein the controller of bbc4 said you know we could we could try and do a film outside a court for this justice season <coughs> and um actually he was quite specific he said what what would happen if you stood outside a court and asked people about what they thought about um whether they got justice or not and my response to that was just you know if you ask a question like you're just going to get some sort of rhetorical answer but having said that, I thought the idea of being outside a court could be interesting. So I decided to, you know, to take up the offer and explore it further there in that way. But the, the fact that it was for a season was, didn't really, you know, it doesn't, didn't really mean much to me. I was just interested in that idea and thought, OK, I'll go away and see if I could do something with it. So could you, you tell us something about how you approach the prep for the film, the pre-production, how you set about yeah. finding the people. I mean, I, I, yeah, I wasn't sure I, I was I was interested in doing it, or you know, I had to I had to sort of go and experience what it would be like to decide whether I wanted to make this kind, or whether there was a film there to be made. So I agreed with Richard that I would, um, you know, I took about two grand from them or something and said, look, give me three or five, three to four or five days, and I'll I'll do an experiment. I'll go and stand outside the court and see see what happens and it wasn't until I'd done that that I really started to understand the possibility for the sort of human drama that that could that that place could offer and it was in a way um, specifically related to I mean I chose that court partly because it was the nearest one to where I live but also when I researched various courts and there are only a finite number of magistrates courts in London and I wanted to stay in London um, uh, that that space was really important because people would hang around there and it felt like um, you know, sort of people on the street in a way. So th the fact that there was a space where people could hang out and smoke was really important to the idea because I understood quite quickly the sort of limitations of, of trying to make a film outside of a space where the real drama, if you like, in inverted commas, is happening inside. So I needed, I needed that, you know, the, the physical space to work f for me, um, meaning that people would actually sit on the steps, hang around, there's a, there's a bench there. Um, and the other courts actually were much more limited. They were tucked away behind walls and the pavement, pavemented area is very small. So it's sort of small little details like that that made, made uh, you know, the reason why I filmed there quite important. And so, so what was the process? I mean, you, you're now okay when you're going to make the film. Yeah. So what's the process? How do you find the people? How, 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 how much filming did you do before? Did you do a, film a lot of people before you settled on 
I'm interested in this half dozen or whatever they were. Yeah, or... I mean, I think I, you know, with this idea, it was clear that it was just going to be a sort of fishing exercise where it was important to be around a lot of the time and just sort of pray that interesting people would turn up. And, you know, it, there are many people there that, um, you know, when you're there day after day and you're just approaching people, you or I, as a, as a filmmaker, would sometimes talk to people who I kind of felt wouldn't be that interesting just just because you're there anyway and you may as well. So there were a lot of false starts. I would engage in a conversation with somebody. With a camera or just... Well, that's another story about how we came to work because that <laughs> yeah. was also really tricky. But, um, uh, I mean, from the beginning, I decided that we needed, to, we needed to shoot with two cameras. So I didn't want to just approach somebody with a camera because it... I thought it was important to get the initial encounter filmed, um, but it's very—it was very tricky to actually go up to somebody, you know, try and make them feel relaxed enough to open up, and you know, and make that encounter feel fresh and and spontaneous um, and interesting in itself from the beginning. So I decided that the assistant that I was working with would, would shoot from a slight distance and I would go up just with sound equipment. Actually, it was just my camera, but, um, you know, using the, sound, <coughs> using the sound from that and make sure the sort of beginning was filmed. And then if, if things were going quite well, so, you know, in the beginning, because I, I wasn't sure about this, because I usually shoot my own, my own films, so it was, it was quite a departure for me not to sort of be visually aware of what was going on. So I also when things became more relaxed, started shooting for myself as well. And I said to Guy, you know, just make sure you film the beginning and maybe occasionally some other, some other stuff so we have some options. But I wasn't really thinking about it as a second camera to cut to. Mm. It, was, it was much more to do with this reason. And then when I watched on the rushes back, I thought it was actually quite interesting to see from the other camera the whole approach thing. Because um, it, it's, you know, it sort of tied in with the themes about judging where... When you're in my camera and seeing the character, I mean, you're, the camera's always sort of <clears throat> examining and judging the character in some way. And sometimes to step out of that, to, to look at it from the point of view of the second camera, was quite interesting to see the whole process um, unfold. I didn't want that ever to become more than what it should be because it was always about them, but that, I started to understand that it could be quite an interesting way of working. It solved some practical problems, but also seemed to make sense sort of thematically as well. So it wasn't just... Uh a, a trick to get yourself <coughs> in front of the lens. No, I mean you know, I try to avoid that. I mean, you, I mean I, you know, you, I'm usually a presence in, in my that. films, but I'm not for the sake of vanity. You know. But I think with this, also yeah. with the the idea, here, it sets up the kind of rules of the game very yeah. clearly, very quickly. You see, you know, somebody outside a court waiting, and then you don't you don't have to explain anything from there. You get it in an instant, and you know things unfold quite naturally from there. So you were saying something. You, you, uh, you started to say something about the filming and that being mm. sort of a bit trickier than what, the actual sort of casting of the characters, or what the actual business of filming them. Well, it, it was, <clears throat> it was. Um, I mean, what I would sense was that you know some people were in a in an interesting emotional space, and and as soon as they turned up, you could feel something interesting was <clears throat> was going on. Other characters would turn up, and it was it was undramatic in some way. So I. Sort of leave those alone and there are a lot of young kids there as well and I was less interested in those kind of characters because they mm. seemed to me to be talking in quite familiar cliched ways that weren't so surprising or didn't really you know sort of move me very much um, but occasionally these characters would turn up who I just felt had something sort of different going on 
<clears throat> and it was all about trying to, you know, just to, to enter into their space, you know, as, as it were, because you're because you sort of see them from a distance, and then you've got to approach them. And, and when you're just relying in this kind of film on a lot of talking, really, it was how to avoid the film just becoming a series of interviews with characters. And I think that, um, I mean, I'm I'm very aware of that anyway, because I, you know, I don't I have quite specific views about what's an interview and what's a, a scene, if you if you if you like. And I think that I would go try and build up a relationship and film with those characters who I felt, even if it was a sort of, you know, interview setup, that there was so much more going on that was unspoken in their gestures and the way they were, that it, it felt like you were in a you were in a scene with them and that there were possibilities to develop and explore mini narratives with, with characters. So it was all it was just a sort of sensitivity tools that the, the stories that I felt would be dramatic and moving and um, revealing and surprising in some way. And were there any difficulties or restrictions about filming outside of court? Legal? Yeah. I mean, did anyone try to stop you? A bit. I mean, the court couldn't do anything themselves, and but we had a good relationship with the PR guy at the court, and he was he made you know very clear that we couldn't film on the steps and we couldn't shoot through the window. Of course, we do, and he was he was fine with that because after a while. When he when he actually saw what we were doing and you know it wasn't didn't become a problem he it wasn't a problem for him too so um, but there are you know there are rules about filming inside of courts obviously but they couldn't stop us being on the pavement outside but we you know we relied on them for a lot of information we would if we met a character and cause you couldn't always trust what people would tell you so we 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 had to rely on the PR guy to check his records to find out about people and also when people were coming back if we couldn't find out uh, that from them and just to you know for our own sanity to sort of confirm what was really going on although you know a lot of the time we would go in and watch the cases of the characters we were filming and run outside to be there when they were coming out etc um, yeah okay uh, I think it's a good time to open it up to the floor if anybody has any questions. Um, how do you manage to deal with your own feelings during the process? Um, I think that all becomes part of the filmmaking experience. That's sort of why I do it. I mean, I, I try to find characters and, you know, real people whose stories move me in some way. And, and uh, that, that can be on different levels. It could be a, a kind of fascination like the guy at the top of the film who seems to be completely amoral and... Um, you know the ticket tout guy who then talks about tying people up. I mean that was a sort of fascination with a, you know, a character from a sort of another time who, uh, you know, exists in a completely different moral universe to the one I exist in. And to be honest with you, that that kind of character was quite familiar to me. I spent most of my childhood going to Arsenal buying tickets off of people like him. So there's a, there's a sort of historical, you know, personal reason why I was interested in him. And then the other, some of the other characters whose stories are much more emotional and I mean I uh, you know I don't, I don't know how I deal with it it's, for me it's part of what the reason why I do it because it's sort of exploring those feelings and emotions through other people which is quite a strange desire perhaps but it's probably one that works quite well in, in documentary um, so it, you know the, the characters have to sort of to, to affect me in some way but I don't I don't have any any ways of dealing with it it's not like I 
at the end of the day have to go and you know drink five pints of lager to overcome it and we spent I, you know we spent a lot of when I say we me and my researcher or whoever I'm working with spend a lot of time talking about these people and um, with the French guy for example with Michel we, we spent a lot of time going to his house and getting to know him um, but it's for me it's always in, you know it's always a sort of balancing act because I also don't want to jump ahead of the filming experience for example so if he you know I wouldn't go and get too familiar with him too quickly because I want I'm making a film also so that so you're existing in two different realities in a way you, you've got the reality of the film and reality and you have to sort of work that one out and it's not always easy in fact it's it's quite torturous most of the time trying to to, to balance that and sometimes you've you know you have to be quite sort of planned and and manipulative and a little bit ruthless in terms of how you can create moments like this to live on the screen because but if you know the thing is if you don't do it then you don't have them and the film is weak and it doesn't move anybody and you don't do justice in a sense to the to the stories that you want to tell so it's it's not an easy you know thing to negotiate but it's sort of something you have to do there is that <coughs> unusual for a documentarist moment of intervention when the guy threatens to swallow all his pills in one go yeah that's a good example of you know somebody's he 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 was doing that on the bench and i'm there filming it and guys there filming me filming him and there's a woman on the bench watching us watching him and all the rest of it and it's it's a strange thing you know i would never i mean i would it, in that moment, I was filming up to a point where I felt, okay, I, I now have enough material to tell this story. Uh, or, you know, sort of confident that he wouldn't harm himself too much, f feeling like, because I knew him quite well, feeling like he does this quite a lot. Um, but it's a very strange position to be in, and there's no easy... I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, come up with some easy kind of answer to that. There is no easy answer. And, I, I, you know, you, I think everybody would have their own response to being in that situation, and it's... Um, it's very, very, very hard. But, you know, there is something that happens when you turn off the camera and you've shot that scene, then there's a whole other layer of, you know, relationship that, that happens, which obviously how, in the film... Not how much of that happened? Did that happen with all, all the people that you concentrated on? How much film? of what? Of, of, of getting to know them when the camera was turned on? Um, more with... Creating More with Mark, the guy on the bench and, and the French guy, because we had... We, uh, I think they quite early on in the filming process, it was clear that their stories would stretch further. Um, and we met Mark's sister quite early on. She came to the court, um, so we had a we had a kind of you know another connection to another family member. With Michelle, um, <clears throat> we uh, you know it's, it's it's partly out of a sort of nervousness of keeping track of their situation so because with this idea it was really important that people returned and that we had some way of, of um, um, you know creating s some personal narrative um, so we had to be really aware of when people were going to come back therefore you know you, you start to call people and send a text message um, and very quickly you're, you're into a relationship with them from, from, from something that started on the street um, and it's you know it's uh, it happened more with Mark and, and, and Michelle for the, I think for the reasons of their complica complications mm. of their story, but with Kelly the, the woman, it's more phone conversations from time to time, 
and checking up with the court when she was coming back as well. And what outfit she was going to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making sure the uh, <laughs> costume design was right for the case. Have we any more, uh, any, uh, another question from anybody? A lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, often it's quite predictable who will. I mean, it, you know, it's almost like I sort of scour the area and you kind of make eye contact with people and some people will turn you down by not saying anything. You know, they're just that look, if you come near me, I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> and others, others, would, others would come to you and they, you know, and so, I was in some situations where people would talk and talk about the Richard Klein idea of why they didn't get justice and you're totally bored after five minutes um, because it's so complicated and so somebody's personal opinion about a wrong that was done to them which is so much more complicated than what they're saying and for a film would be a disaster to get into because you'd end up making some you know dull reportage about a case that's not that interesting anyway and but it's really difficult because somebody's using you who they see is quite powerful there with the camera you know they, they often say who you're doing it for so very quickly <clears throat> you know the the letters bbc come out and suddenly you're there as as a, as a vehicle for somebody to offload their frustrations to and that's quite that's quite tricky because it's sort of draining when that happens um so you get sort of both both ends of the spectrum i remember when i made the film in the lift somebody got in there for and refused to leave for like 40 minutes. It was a Norwegian model. And she was totally into being filmed and wouldn't get out. And I had to say to her, look, you know, I've got to get on with making the film here. You know, you've overstayed your welcome. Because the whole beauty of the idea was that people would come and go and she just decided to stay there. You see? So it can't, it's not always people just saying, no, it's sometimes the other way around. But I think the characters that are always most interesting are those ones that are not desperate to talk to you, but they're not adverse at the same time. And there's a sort of, you know, a relationship that, that, that develops in the process of filming as well. That's, that's always kind of interesting somehow. They're, you feel like <clears throat> they're quite keen to, or they're open to, you know, that openness to share their experience in some way. You know? and, it, and for me, it has to be like that. It's, it's awful if you're chasing after people and they don't want to be filmed. I don't, I don't want to be in that situation, you know. I mean, there's one or two characters at the beginning where it's a bit like that, but it's because they're at the beginning of the film and we're getting into the idea. I think yeah. it's there for that reason, which is just opening up the narrative. Okay. Any more? And I was wondering about the questions which you asked. Um, were they often very pre-prepared or were they off the cuff? And how do you find as a documentary filmmaker about which questions you ask at what time and how much you're, how much you're letting them kind of say rather than just become a question and answer session I suppose. <coughs> yeah I mean it's, it's, it's again it's tied in with this notion of what an interview is and what a, you know I would say a, a situation is that, that has the ability to sort of resonate and go beyond itself and it's knowing when to knowing when to speak and also how to you know to, to open up other areas that are more interesting and I'm always you know it's funny with this because somebody else might make this film with a different interest and, you, and you'd become really interested in what happened to these people in terms of, like, their cases, you know. And, and in this film, you sort of forget about their cases after a while. Because I remember in the beginning, the BBC was saying, well, how are we going to, you know, we, should, we really need to know what happens to these people, you know, how many months they got and what their sentence was. And, and I wasn't interested in that at all. It was much more the sort of human experience of, of, you know, who they are and what they were 
going through on an emotional level and how it relates to other areas of their life. So I'm always sort of interested in asking those questions that will sort of open up those, you know, those access to those sort of feelings. And okay. And you said something that you're very, uh, you're very clear cut in understanding the difference about what you consider to be a question, an interview, mm. and what is a scene. I was wondering if you could elaborate on your thoughts on that and how you, you know, I think if you if you ask questions that people, it's probably the difference between sort of what opinions and and I, I suppose emotions. You know, if I ask questions that that allow somebody to give an answer that's just their opinion about something rather than how they're feeling about something, it's it, it's that really, and you know, and uh, you know. The, the sort of situation that they're in. I mean, there were some people that may have been interesting to have in the film, but um, in terms of who they were as a character, but maybe they weren't in the right emotional space. It's something, it's, it's, it's an invisible thing that you can feel around somebody, and that's quite dramatic, because it's sort of, you can't, you can't see it, but you can feel it, and it certainly sort of, you know, communicates itself on the screen. And it's, you know, whereas you could just go up to somebody and ask them something and it's just a very technical exchange of words. So I think it's that difference that, that I'm very sensitive to and make sure that it's there when... Sometimes you have to work a little bit to create that. Um, you know, you may, have, you may have entered into a character situation, but the next time you see them, you know, it's not the same atmosphere. And, some, you know, quite often I, I will work quite hard to create a mood before I ask a question. Um, it, it, it may be that I know something about somebody that I won't deal with at that moment. I'll wait for the right moment to be there or think about how to create that. I mean, smoking is a really good tool for that. I mean, people sort of, you can say to somebody, light up a fag and I'm going to ask you something, but don't answer for a minute. And you get a sort of, you know, interesting gestures and expressions before people start talking. Um, and if you just say to somebody then, well, if you've got nothing to say, don't speak, <laughs> for example. I mean, there's you know, often interesting things going on there. So it's finding ways to to make, you know, these possibly banal and ordinary and unexciting things interesting and, you know, uh, communicative in an, in, a, in an emotional way, I think. Did it take a long time to learn how to do that, to ask questions in a way which triggered no. people to open up rather than just provide you well, with when answers? You, when you watch your rushes and you get just those answers, then you learn very quickly that, you know, this is this is terrible and it's it's dull and it's, you know... So with documentary, there's this expectation or there's this feeling that it exists in reality so you can just go out and film it and therefore it must be interesting, you know. And often it's so bloody boring. And for me, the the... the the real, tor the torturous part of, doc you know, f when, every film I make, it's 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 just finding that ten percent that that can be really interesting in everyday life because most of it is totally boring, totally familiar. You know, most of our lives are the same. Um, you know, we we talk about the same thing, do the same things, and it's just finding those little things that are different and unique and uh, you know and interesting on an, on another level and. Um, you know, if it's not there, you really suffer. So I, I learned quite quickly to sort of... Mm. But it's, it's a personal thing, because other people would, you know, they go for a very, very different sort of approach and would get more interested in making a film about, a, you know, a given story that's there, clearly a clear linear narrative. You know, I'm much more drawn to sort of open-ended, um, 
exploration of themes. And for me, the, the, the conceit all the time is to find an excuse to make a film about the same kind of people all the time, in a way. And they could just be in different situations. There's a different way in, but it's, they're, they're pretty much the same films. And it's, in a sense, that's all I can do. I don't, I don't feel like I'm, you know... I, I couldn't make another film because it's very personal in that sense. It's, it's, it's it wouldn't have been a surprise to come across somebody from the lift outside this well, court. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> Hi, Mark. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, did you, you said you... I don't know if you had trouble, but engaging with young people outside yeah. the court. Yeah. Can you talk a, bit, a little bit about that, but also, you know... Looking back on it, how how you would have changed your approach to speaking to young people, and how do you think you could have got them to engage with you? It was not so much the engagement. There was there was two problems. One, that there was a youth court attached to the main court uh -huh. around the corner, but it was legally it's really problematic. So once we sort of realised the minefield that we would have to sort of get through, it was just decided not to. What you mean, just filming? Young kids, yeah, kids, kids yeah. talking about crime. The BBC, mm. were, I mean, it, there's a law uh, against broadcasting kids talking about crime and, unless they're over a certain age because it could affect their, the rest of their life. And So there's that going on. But I mean, but even on a, you know, younger people that are in the magistrate's court, so I guess over 17s, I think it is, or uh -huh. maybe 18. Um, no, a lot of them just felt like walking cliches, you know, black rude boys who would just say exactly what you think they were going to say and it just bored me you know it just I was much more interested in the dinosaurs that you know been feeding for 50 years and still still doing it and um yeah. it just felt so familiar and so I mean it's, it's a symptom of the culture we live in that, that all their references all their dialogue all their you know the way they think was so mediated and I mean that in the broadest sense that you know they were like walking, talking computer games, and uh, and that's a real problem. Occasionally, you'd get a really authentic creature turn up and um, say some amazing things, but they were usually a lot younger and then going to the youth court, and that was a problem for us. But wouldn't you say that could have been part of the challenge as a documentary filmmaker? You should. I don't. Think, I don't. For me, I don't think you can change. You can. You can't change um, how people are in that, in that way. I mean, you have some Ooh. influence over how to. You had to shape the film and... Not, not necessarily that, but they're, you're saying, are oh, these black rude boys or whatever, but... No, they were white ones too. I mean, okay. it was just, and they were taught like black kids. And it, for me, it was so familiar and kind of dull. And, and, yeah. and you, it was almost impossible to penetrate because there was not much there other than... That was, that was, that's, that was their identity. That's who right. they are. And you, know, and, and you think that, that worked well with the characters who are a lot older because they were... But I just liked the way people were really... Like, like the old guy, talk, the ticket tower guy at the beginning, the way he would just talk really honestly about, you know, he wouldn't try to sort of hide who he was and, and the sort of old school view of crime. And it was much more interesting to me than, than a young kid talking about... But the... Drugs or whatever. Uh, there were a lot of characters who were, who were old and talking like that and being very open, which mm. was very nice. But... They were, you know, they all shared something in common. Either they were all old, you know, geezers from London, you know, <coughs> talking about crime. And that that black guy said, uh, "I've I've 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 changed." And you asked mm. him, "How did he change?" He said, "He didn't." He say, "Time, time." Yeah, um, I spent too much time. So, yeah. so I, my feeling watching is that a lot of these characters. Um, 
can open up to you and they open up to you very nicely, but because time's taking its toll, you know, they have perspective on things, they can talk to you. And the most interesting character for me was the woman who was a lot younger than the rest. And she opened up and, you know, her story was very eloquent and very beautiful. And I would say the other characters were slightly more cliched than hers. Her story was incredibly moving about uh, her child. She had lost her mum being in hospital. That was very rich. All the other, all the other characters were fueled with addiction and alcohol, which is terrible, but it all kind of is very da daily male. And this was real, this was human. And so I just wondered if there were any more characters who weren't old and, you know, uh, well, Mark's I, only 35 or something, or 37 or something. Well, the, uh, the Goon. only 50. The, go the Gooner. Yeah. But, and so if there were younger characters, but also more women, the only, the only woman we see is that great, uh, yeah. is that great woman. And then the dodding uh, wife of the, of the coke addict. Why weren't there more women? Why weren't because, the characters more diverse? It's a fair enough point. I mean, I, it, I, I don't, I don't try to be representative when I make the films. I just respond to what, to who turns up when I'm there. And I don't even think about whether I've got enough Chinese people in the film or whether I've got... Uh, or, I, 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 for me, if they're not... An in, if they don't... If the characters don't touch me in some way, then then uh, I'm not interested because I I can't... I can't engage in, you know... And it's uh, it's just my... It's, a, it's my failure, you know. It's really personal. It's a... You know, I made a f film in um, in Barking a couple of years ago, and it's about a changing town, and a it's a, lo a lot about the old people. And it's you said a you said that people, the older people come along and they they can talk with some perspective, and I think that's what it is. It's that they have a kind of perspective and a and a, a view on things that's a little bit sort of yeah more informed and more kind of interesting somehow than what I find with a lot of younger people. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, somebody else would go for young kids and find them fascinating. I, I did make a film with kids once, but they were in a remote Cumbrian village and it was just two streets and they felt quite authentic. Their lives felt quite authentic, you know, in a way that excited me. But um, London kids just just find totally unsurprising you know I mean there's nothing wrong with them you know they're lo you know lovely people all the rest of it and we had some fun conversations on the steps but for the film it just felt un I don't know it just felt sort of something magical about it in a way. Uh, yeah um, two questions link into one another one is um, did you have total editorial freedom and second, uh, didn't BBC turn around and say oh well this scene there was a really nice bit about the father who sent his druggy son to prison, um, but it was almost all out of focus. So, don't they have technical standards where they say? <laughs> <laughs> In the, when I made the trailer, I decided to use the V1 Sony V1 camera with a with a, a lens adapter, this lighter box, which is really heavy, and you can stick interchangeable lenses on, and that's why it's slightly out of focus. But I really liked I really liked um, him as a character, and I, I thought it was worth him being slightly out of focus. Um, um, so I stuck. I stuck with it. Uh, in terms of the um, the editorial control, I mean, there's of course you have. I mean, I, I was left alone un until week four of the edit. Then I presented a a rough cut, a seventy five minute rough cut to the executive that was in charge of the production, and 
she she liked the film a lot. It was a good viewing, and we went away for Christmas. She came back and um, uh, in January and saw the film a week before it was due to to be picture locked. And of course, you have discussions. We had discussions about the film, but um, they're discussions, and there was never any insistence that I should do this or that. With with Michelle, the big the biggest decision we had to make was that there was a scene with Michelle being picked up from his flat by the French uh, um, consulate and taken back to France. So I filmed him at home being picked up, and he goes off in the car. But in the end, decided in the beginning, actually before Christmas, I was quite. I thought that I would use that scene because I felt like he was the strongest character and that we would feel justified in going away from the court to, to have that scene. But I changed my mind over the course of time and decided that the cafe scene sort of done that job in a way, emotionally done that job, and we didn't need to leave the, leave the court. Um, but there there are always discussions. I've, I mean, it, some years ago, I had more um, problems with, with executive insisting on certain things. But that, and over the last few years, I've found people to work with that, that more or less, you know, apart from usually discussions about the opening of films are always quite sort of um, heated, I would say, or at least people get very anxious about that because it's <coughs> fear of people switching off and not engaging straight away. But on the whole, I mean, people don't really insist. They try, you know, they, they suggest things and sometimes you know, you take it on board. It depends on how you feel about it. I'm always very open to people, you know, I'm not kind of precious about stuff and uh, very open to people's suggestions. But if I feel that something's really not right, then I'll stand up for it and, you know. It's that very good technique of saying to you, well, it's your film and if you really <laughs> want to do that, I would go ahead and do it. And then you go away and think, do I really want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... It's a really tricky situation because you are, I mean, those people that are having the, you're having those conversations with are, you know, are paying the bills for you and, you know, they're, they're, your, they're your source of life. So, you I mean, you are you're juggling all of that subconsciously, I guess. But um, I, it's been many years since I've had real confrontations. I did have a really awful confrontation once and I was prepared to burn a bridge and I didn't have a problem with that. And, it, and it, you know, it was a, I did burn a bridge totally and... But I, but I felt, you know, that it was worth fighting for that, for sure. Um, and it's, it, I mean, I think that it, it, it is it's something that everyone has to think about because, especially at Channel 4 these days, I mean, they have a strand for new directors and my partner's just made her first film for, for this particular strand and um, had a really awful time, you know, fighting with the commissioning editor about certain things in the film and she stood up for herself and you know and the commissioner was literally shouting at her saying how dare you you know how, how, how dare you kind of question my authority you know really being dogmatic about it and uh, you know and there's a point where you know you have to sort of stand up for what you believe in and take the consequences and you're, you're you know unless you're just so desperate for a career in television you know so it's it's difficult, but I think that if you you know if you really uh, believe something's right, um, and you're not being arrogant about it or precious about it, and you, you know you can see that it's it means a lot to you, then you have to stand up for it. There's no question. Yeah. Um, hi, Mark. Uh, say, for example, if you're having an off-screen chat with somebody. And uh, you, you find that's really interesting. That's the ten percent, and you want to recreate that on screen. Mm. Do you find the 
when they're on screen, you ask them the same question the second time, they will answer it differently and it loses certain quality. It's interesting that sometimes, sometimes you have these real documentary moments where you, you know, where you know something miraculously happens and you'll never get that again. It's gone forever, and you run home with the tape and check that it's still there, and you know, thanking God that it still exists and the sound was okay and the picture was fine. And other times, you can try things two or three times, you know, and it, and it's amazing how many people have their you know you can push the same button in a way and get similar responses it's quite it's quite interesting the, the last film i'd done before this i knew something about one of the characters basically decided that he never wanted to have children for a particular reason and i i spoke to him about it quite a lot uh, you know from time to time but waited for the right moment to ask him on camera and it was just as interesting as i you know as i thought it i hoped it would be so i don't know there's no rules about it but i think that um it, you know, it's 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 more about knowing when to ask somebody that. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's important to to not to 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 think carefully about that to create the right atmosphere. So, if something is really interesting to you, to make it interesting on the screen, because often I find that you can, you know, it can lose its power if you don't handle that in the right way. Um, and that's the sort of moral dilemma with documentary, because you are in a way manipulating somebody's feelings at a certain point so so you can have it powerfully in the film but I think you kind of have to do that you know for it to work otherwise you've got nothing really um, uh, do you sometimes find them when you ask the second when you ask the sec, uh, the, the question the second time and you turn on the camera and they start to act a little bit uh, yeah that, that's the, I think that's a really complicated thing because I think people on some level are always performing I mean you know, Michel here is, is a performer, you know, he's, he, I mean, he's an alcoholic and he is an alcoholic and he is, his life is really difficult, but, you know, there's a lot, we had to really cut back some of his performance in the editing of the, of the film because we felt like he was, you know, he could turn it on, you know, and, he, and that, that's sort of what I liked about him. He was, you know, um, and I, but I, on some level people are always performing in the sense that they're always conscious of being filmed, even when you're seemingly in a very observational fly on the wall moment, people are, they never really forget. They might forget for a moment, but they're, you know, people are performing in some way. And I think part of what we're talking about in terms of how to sort of create atmosphere and all that is, is, is managing that and deciding, you deciding when something is authentic in terms of it being truthful in a way that, that, that means something to you. And that's sort of all you've got, you know, um, to, to, to sort of work with in a sense um, so yeah it's very deep I've got an okay, easy question can we, no, well, should we give someone else a chance I've just the last couple of questions I think and then we'll start to bring this anybody has any more yeah um, I know you've been doing this for a while but I just want to know if you still have those moments of hesitation or inhibition just before you approach someone especially with the camera in your hand, or do you, I mean, is there so, sort of a dilemma saying I'm infringing on their space, and is this especially, I mean, criminals or people who are going to be convicted or not? Strangely enough, I'd never have a fear, and that's probably my stupidity more than anything else. So I think it's quite, um, it's weird, actually. Like, I mean, this is quite specific, um, because, you know, in, in most of the films that I make, I, I don't approach people with a camera. I, there's been a lot of time 
or at least a certain amount of time. I mean, I have worked in this way with one or two other films, but often it's not. It's without a camera, and I get to know them a bit and then introduce the camera. Um, but with this, of course, there's the element of people being criminals, and there's all your preconceptions about that. But I don't really have a fear fear of that so much. And also there's a strange respect that goes on when you've got a camera and you say you're from the BBC. I don't know if it works with Channel 4 um, so much, but people, people, you know, people, some people that would normally kill you don't, you know, they sort of, they have a sort of strange deference towards you, which is really, really quite odd. So I don't really have that fear. The the nervousness of of talking to somebody or, uh, I don't know, I, th- I suppose the possibility of, of, of you know, entering into an interesting situation that's going to make the film interesting, interesting overcomes any, any sort of fear of doing it. Sometimes it's uh, more a question of, of you know because you, you can be standing out in this particular film we were standing outside there for a long time and an hour would go by and you sort of get a bit sort of demoralized and you're starting to kind of go a bit mad and you think oh, i can't be bothered to go and speak to somebody and so sometimes it's it's sort of perseverance that's the main um challenge really it's a lot of hard work to to be somewhere and to really go there every day and to try and you know you know, wake up in the morning, get on the train and think, okay, today something special is going to come along and, you know, and, and just to keep keep sort of plugging away. Um, you get despondent quite quickly if you if you don't have faith that something will happen interesting. Any more? Okay, well, I'd like to say thanks to Mark for a great film and a good... <laughs>